0: One of the most common questions that property managers have is how they can grow their business and add more doors. Now, social media has opened up a wide range of opportunities to make this happen, but using, but growing your business through social media is easier said than done, unless you have 10 years of experience and have worked with top brands like my guest today, Mary-Kate Spires. Thank you for joining us today, Mary-Kate.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so I am really excited because digital marketing is a great way for people to, like I mentioned, to start reaching new clients in a new ways. And I'm gonna be picking Mary Kate's brain here today, so that way we can all have a better idea on how we can leverage digital marketing to grow our businesses. So my I am the host I am off. so I am RJ, I am your host, and you are watching the PMP podcast. All right, Mary-Kate. Well, thanks again for for being here. And before we get started, I want to get some background for you. Um, Now, I mentioned here at the beginning that you do have 10 years experience in digital marketing, but tell me more about your background. um, What interested you in digital marketing and how you got started?
1: Yeah. So I had an interesting journey into into digital marketing. So I um, was in college and I wanted to change the world like most college students do and was actually a political science major. Um, I wanted to go into public policy, influence things, and took one poli sci class and immediately knew that was not for me. So I um, needed to change my major. I'd always been drawn to public relations for some reason. So I took a journalism class in my journalism class because Ten years ago, there were no digital marketing classes. There were no social media classes. It just didn't happen. Um, But in my journalism class, they offered extra credit if you applied for an internship. And it happened to me, who ended up being my mentor, um, and I got the internship. And it was at that time, it was all about social media. Um, I actually helped social media for a political campaign. Um, and I, she brought me back the next semester and started teaching me all about inbound marketing and HubSpot, and it just went from there. I have never used my degree in public relations, but I'm doing okay.
0: <laughs> well, that that that's awesome, and I, I actually I find it really funny. I would um, I had a, a I majored in media in college and I would tell people I actually wanted to go into um, public relations, even though I never did, because I figured that apart from being a world dictator, public relations is the best way to control people's thoughts and opinions and everything. So um I, I see a connection there, um this this trend line. Um so once you started getting your, your um feet wet in the world of digital marketing, what was it that you really liked about it that what what really um made it so fascinating to you?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I learned about a, a theory, I guess you can call, um, called inbound marketing, which was very new at the time. It was coined by HubSpot, which is a software company. Um, but the whole theory is to um, educate your consumers instead of talk at them. So billboard, most traditional advertising, print advertising, TV, it's all about how great you are, why you should like me, you know, all that. And it's very just kind of in your face. And I've always been the kind of person, I like to invite you into my space. I don't need you to be up, up in it. And so the difference with inbound marketing is actually meeting the buyer where they are in their journey and educating them. And so I loved that because you're helping people. And so even if they don't end up choosing you, uh, which a lot of times they do because you've helped them with their problem, um, but you're still helping them. And it's, it's much less uh, grimy. It just, it feels better. Um, and then I, through the years fell in love with the strategy of it all, kind of understanding how people think. Um, and then also data. I love data. I, um, don't believe people should spend any money on marketing unless you're tracking it appropriately to see if it's actually working. Um, and so I spend a lot of my time now making all those connections work so that you're tracking the marketing appropriately.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I- that totally makes sense. I am um, obviously, you don't want to be wasting money. And um, before we go too further down the rabbit hole, um, again, people are going to be watching this with different levels of experience, and so I want to get clear definitions here. So, yes. how what exactly is digital marketing? I mean, it, it people use this word a lot, but can we establish exactly what that is?
1: Yeah. So, digital marketing is any type of marketing that's done online. So this can include social media, blogging, your website as part of your digital marketing efforts, Um, you know, digital podcasts are for YouTube, really anything. If you go online and you're looking for something, Google business, all of that is going to all fall under digital marketing. And of course, as new things come up, they just get added under that. And so as consumers, we all use the internet. And so digital marketing is just how your business is going to use those same tools to reach your consumers.
0: Okay. So so in essence, you're. it would be safe to say digital marketing is the marketing that happens online in a in yes. very broad sense. Okay. Yes. Fantastic. And then, and then with that, then it also sounds like, and I'm going to be using some more interesting terms here, So, but you have organic and paid um, digital marketing as well. And yes. so you mentioned like a blog. Um, that is, assuming you're writing your own blog post, that would be something that's organic. Um, doing a podcast, that's something again that's more organic, and then paid advertising. That's that's the paid side of digital marketing. So, um, so what are the benefits of digital marketing compared to, say, traditional marketing? Now, again, it, with with property management, it tends to be a bit more um, slower slower to change. I mean, it's getting better. I would say as as the industry goes, um, but it's it's there's a lot of still old marketing strategies that are used and still being effective. Um yeah. I, I don't want it to throw throw these other marketing strategies under the bus. So why should digital marketing be um be so so important to a property manager?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So and it really comes down to you know once working and being able to track it. But digital marketing there's a lot of things. There's one it's where your consumers typically are and It's important to do your buyer research. Maybe your your buyers are not online and then that's okay. But most buyers today are researching online before they make any decision. I look up restaurants near me probably every day. Um, And of course, you know, that's a restaurant example, but that is something I do every single day. And so obviously, I make a lot of decisions online. Um, So that's where people are. That's where their expectations are. A lot of people as things shift and more information is available, a lot of people wanna be able to do their own research and get as much information as possible before they pick up the phone or walk into your building. And so they expect that information to be available. And if your competitor has that information available online, you might not be in the mix anymore. So expectations and that's where people are, but then it's typically cheaper. Uh, if you're if you're doing it correctly, you have the right partners in place. Um, you can be more targeted with digital marketing. The more targeted you are, the less it will cost you with advertising. Um, and then content organic, you're talking about, you typically, even if you're paying an agency or a consultant, you're going to pay it that one time for that blog. But that blog, if done correctly, is going to live forever. So you're not having to, you know, pay for that article in the magazine every single time the magazine comes out. Um, and then also, to, there's the flexibility of digital marketing. So I am very anti billboards. Everyone in my family makes fun of me for it. But and I've had the experience I've done them, they have not worked in my experience. But again, that is, you know, my limited experience. But when the bill, uh, my example always is a billboard. And it costs. It usually costs about fifteen hundred dollars to change your design of a billboard. That is very expensive. Mm-hmm. A Facebook ad, which is more ta- targeted, and someone can click through and find more information. You can make that change yourself, or you can just, you know, work with your partner and easily get that changed, and test. And you just have so much more flexibility with digital. And then, lastly, my favorite thing is it's so much more trackable. You can do mm-hmm. tracking phone numbers and tracking URLs when it comes to traditional and you do get some information from that but you get so much more information from digital marketing because it's all connected and it's never perfect you're not going to be able to see customer a started here and then did eight things and all of a sudden moved in it you know monday maybe but you're going to have a much better idea than if they just happened to buy, drive by your billboard and walk in
0: oh oh absolutely I, I mean if you if you put a billboard up on a highway you might have an idea of the average tri- people who drive by, but you know what the people do for a living. You know what their income is. You know if are they educated. I mean, these are things that you can target on Facebook, I'm sure. So, um, with with billboards versus again just advertising on Facebook as one example. Um, yeah, for sure, the the targeting is gonna be way more precise there. Um, and wow. so it's you mentioned again the the um ROI. Obviously this is a really big important thing. And I've heard the same thing from other people um that billboards that they don't have the ROI that that that's easy to, to measure at least. Um and again from my understanding billboards are a little bit different because um they're almost more of like uh I I'm not a marketer so there's probably a term for this, but like a lower tier where it's not about actually getting people to Take action, but just keeping people on top of mind, having a presence in a market, and and which is brand awareness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's hard to brand awareness. Thank you. It's it's hard to to really measure that. Um, but with when it comes to um, so so going back to digital marketing though, what are some of the the channels that you see are probably the the places people should start? Like if 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 putting a billboard up is something that you do once you're McDonald's and you just want to have that brand awareness and People aren't Brett McDonald's. Where would be a good place to start in digital marketing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And let me tell you, if you've got the budget for all of it, put the billboard up. You know, um, yeah, exactly. I don't typically work with clients who can just throw money at, at everything, but sometimes you can. I love a good billboard, a good McDonald's billboard. Um, yeah. I would definitely say make sure your website is a good experience that is your foundation. Um, From a property management standpoint, I would also highly recommend getting your Google business in order. So that is what shows up if someone searches, you know, apartment near me, those are the things that are going to show up. And so that is high intent. So those are people who are likely looking for you and are somewhat ready to buy. Um, So that's going to have your best likely ROI to begin with. Um that is a must. Um, Making sure that's optimized, making sure you're getting reviews, that's going to make a really, really big difference. And then from there, it's kind of a mix of content and advertising. Um, If you need that brand awareness, Facebook and display advertising are absolutely amazing, much lower cost. Um, Definitely highly recommend getting a good partner for that though. Um, Facebook and Google they just want your money so they'll tell you how they think that you should run your ads but that's not always the best way to get the most bang for your buck so it really is a good investment to work with someone who has got nitty-gritty experience in those particular platforms um and then what i like to say is you should start your paid and that's google ads to um you know the search ads and then in the back on the back end you should be working on your content because content is king content you can run ads to. but also like I said, that content is going to live forever. So if you invest in it, that is what's going to help you long term and you I might actually be able to lower your spend in advertising once your content really starts to to make to start ranking and do all the things that Google loves it to do. Um, yeah. but it is a slower play. So it's kind of a one two punch
0: okay so and so make sure i got all that so i know it's a lot <laughs> no 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 that's, that's one recap here so um start off website I want to make sure we have our website in order um and then also our uh google business and the google business if i understand it correctly that's where let's say i go and search abc on um, property management you pop up with a little map location and a picture of the front of the building and a five-star rating and all that I'm assuming five-star rating um if people are doing their their good jobs there oh. um and then uh and on top of that, then search ads. Now, search ads, in the case of Google, again, that's where someone searches for ABC um, property management and you pop up with, it says add ABC property management, top property management company in ABC town. Um, or if someone searches for ABC property management and you're not ABC property management, you pop up at the top and say, hey, um, we're XYZ property management uh, and we do way better than ABC. Um, and then finally, content in the nets, your YouTube videos, blog posts, um, podcasts, all, all of those sorts of things. Um, did I miss anything there?
1: No, no, that's that's definitely it. Um, kind of a an extra thing on content is uh, downloadable guides. So that is a mm. great way to get someone's information, even if they're not ready to start talking to you yet. And that's where, once you have their information, you can actually start nurturing them with emails and sometimes even text messages. And that's a great way to help them through their journey, give them more information wherever they are, um, and then also keep keep your business top of mind for when they are ready to buy or okay. rent. <laughs>
0: now, so so where where would the um the downloadable guides be? Would that be something that just lives on the website? Is that goes on a, a landing page, or, or what's the best way of of getting those distributed?
1: Yeah, so typically you've got some call to action strategically placed in your website that take you to that take the user to a landing page. Um, the landing page has a little bit of information on why you should download this. So um, you have getting a little complicated here, but there's typically three stages of a buyer's journey. Um, there's mm-hmm. awareness, which we've been talking about. They um, They know they have a problem, but they don't exactly know what the answer to that problem is. So in this case, they know they need a new place to live, but what are all the options for that? And so that's where you would help them understand what the options are to solve their problem. That's, you have a guide for that. You have videos. There's all sorts of things you can do for that. And then the next stage in that is consideration. Okay. They know their options. They're going to consider it, consider the different options. Maybe they want to rent an apartment. Maybe they want to buy a condo or buy a house or all these different things. Maybe they want to live in Airbnbs for the rest of their life. Um, and so you help them kind of compare those different options. And then once they've decided they want your solution to their problem, um, then you, that's the decision stage. And that's where you start looking at you versus the competition and, you know, why we're better than the competition to solve your particular problem.
0: Okay. Um, And and I also want to also specify here there's, so when, when it comes to property management, there's like, there's two sides Um, there's the side of, of, finding tenants to put into the, to the apartment buildings. And then there's the side of finding owners um, and investors who have properties that need to be managed. Um, And so, um, and this is also part of the challenge is that being able to go and market on both sides uh, can be, you know, it it creates a bit of challenges, especially when, you know, if you're trying to say, um, Hey, we are going to, you know, off, get you to top rents and have almost no maintenance um, expenses for you, then an attendance here of that and say, oh, so I'm going to pay for a rent and then also not get any maintenance work done. And so it creates a bit of a conflict there. Um, and maybe we can get more into that. Um, but I, I want to go in and yeah. kind of go through through a couple of these things here. Um, so what what makes a good website? Because this is something that I, I'll notice, and maybe this might be too broad uh, for uh, a quick answer. Um, but I'll go into some websites and they seem they, they seem good and I go into other websites and they seem not good and I don't know what to, how to quantify or qualify what makes a website good or bad or why I like one website or, over another and um, do, do you, what's, what's a good way, I mean, is it a matter that, you know, is it, people just use Wix or is it a case that you actually need to go and hire someone to do a proper WordPress website or uh, what what can you tell me about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I actually do a lot of competitive research for my clients and um, I create this report card and the very first thing is the website. So I'll tell you how I grade websites. Um, so there's a couple of things and it's very specific. It should be very specific to industry and it should be very specific to you know who you're trying to target um, because depending on your industry and who you're trying to target, you might not need as much information on your website. But for me, you need to have enough information on your website so that the buyer is not likely to leave and go try to find that information somewhere else. The biggest thing, in my opinion, is you don't want someone to leave your website unless they're walking out the door to go visit you in person or picking up the phone to call. So you need to have a good amount of information. Like I said earlier, people are used now are used to now and being able to get the information they want. So a lot of people have issues, um, particularly in some industries, with sharing pricing online and Unfortunately, the way things are moving now, you have to be as transparent as possible because if your competitor is sharing, they're going to be more likely to move there. So again, you want as much information as you and your stakeholders are comfortable sharing. Um, You know, what's the process? Just everything that can be in there. But to a point where it's not overwhelming, I saw a website yes, uh, two days ago that it had so many pages on the website. It had two navigations. There was one at the top and one on the side and they were completely different. It was way too much information. So it still needs to be easy to navigate. You need to be able to find that information Mm -hmm. easily. So it's a little bit of a balance. Um, So that's really important. And then you can kind of get into the technical sides of things. Typically, um, it's not as big, highly debated now, but it used to be should there be one mm-hmm. long scrolling page or should it be multiple pages? And there's a lot of debate on that. My opinion is it should be multiple pages because mm-hmm. those are more chances to rank in your search engines. Every single page can rank. Um, then you need to look at page speed. Is your page loading um, fast enough? That's a, ra- a factor in your Google rankings. Um, okay. so, you know, um, And then it should be visually appealing. In my opinion, I see a lot of dated websites. And if you go to a website and you get a feeling about something, you want your website to be how you want people to feel about your business. So you don't want, you know, old photos or old design elements, because then I mean, maybe in case you have a customer who really likes that old, old feeling, then completely ignore me. Um, but you kind of your your website should be an extension of what you want people to feel when they walk into your business
0: yes i i that makes perfect sense and actually i want to um i I had this idea of branding it's trying to identify what exactly is branding and the best answer i got to put this is that it's every experience that a customer has with your company um so it's how you interact on the phone it's how your website views when they go to it and so oftentimes Again, let's imagine this this uh, situation where um, a property management company sends out these direct mailers. They go um, to the person's house. They get it. They say, hey, we can go and provide management services for your property. And they say, well, I actually need this. I want to go on a bunch of vacations. I need someone to watch over my property while I'm gone. So they, again, like you said, they're they're going to go and Google the person and find out, is this person legit? And when they go to the website, if that website doesn't feel them... Just again, give that feel that that it's not something that that I mean, I'm sure it can be quantified by some you know people who are designers, but I can't quantify it. Um, neither, but but it, but if it, it has that feel that yes, this is some these are professionals that they know what they're doing, and it doesn't look overly flashy and and overly overdone, and it doesn't look dated. Um, that, that's the first part of branding that well I guess technically the second because the first one is the the Miller receives. but it's a big part of the branding that people will decide if people are actually going to reach out and contact you at that point. So I can see that being a, an extremely important th- thing. Um, you also mentioned duplicate content and I had a question on that. Um, are you talking about content that is duplicated within the website itself or content that is duplicated from other places?
1: Both. Okay so. Well, <clears throat> um, and this is to be, I have a lot of, um, I work a lot with the companies that have multiple locations. Um, and so in my opinion, from an SEO perspective, those should all live on the same domain, even if they're little websites all in that same domain, it can get really complicated. But when you have multiple businesses that all do the same thing, it can be really easy to, you know, copy and paste mm-hmm. and uh, don't quote me on this, but the last time I heard, I'm pretty sure it's every sixth or seventh word needs to be different to not count as duplicate content. So you can get away with borrowing from other pages, but it should still be somewhat different. So Google doesn't want you to think that you're plagiarizing. So that's if it's duplicate from outside your website. And then also, in Google's opinion, if you have the same page on or you have the same information on multiple pages, why would it rank both of those pages? So you need to give it different enough so that it's still... it. Because at the end of the day, Google doesn't care about businesses. I mean, they do Mm. because they want our money. But for Google to be successful, it has to have a good user experience. So all of the decisions they make from a ranking factor are... When you google something are you going to actually get what you're looking for so that's something that's good to keep in mind when creating content and trying to do seo that changes every two days i swear <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah definitely and, and i think also um and and when i get down to content this is another thing to keep in mind with content uh that it's important also that the blogs then are also originally written blogs and yeah. um again, one of the experiences I, I have a lot is when I'm working, you know, for a property management company and the email, there's a lot of emails that just go into the main email for blog writers um, that's saying, hey, I want to go and write free blog posts for you. um, And I, I these always go to junk mail because, because frankly, I have no way of even knowing if they're going to actually give original content um, that isn't plagiarized. And so just, it's, it's, it creates some challenges. So something that people should be aware of, make sure you avoid plagiarism because obviously Google does not like that. Um, Okay, great. So so we have a good idea about um, the website there. Um, And then um, Google business. Now to set up a Google business, do you need to actually hire a company to go and set that up? Or is that something that a person can do on their own?
1: So you can do it on your own. It's a hundred percent free. I think it is the best resource in the world. Um, I personally recommend working with a consultant or an agency to at least optimize it for you yeah. mm-hmm. um typically that can be really cost effective um but again google is changing features and rules all the time so it is nice to have an outside party who can help you take advantage of all of those features and my my husband works with me and he he loves google and so he keeps me very up to date on all the changes <laughs> because again it changes so much um, but and they're investing a lot in Google business. So that in particular is changing, but there's so many things. You could put your floor plans on there. You can um, add Q and A's. You can actually post to Google like a social media account now. Um, and so even if you just find someone who can kind of advise you or find a really good article, just make sure that you're taking advantage of all of that because that is really gonna go a long way in helping you rank.
0: Yeah, and, and one of the features also with Google um, Business is uh, – I believe this is where it's located is, – is the Google reviews, um, yes. which, of course, is an extremely – I don't think I need to tell people how important Google reviews are. But more specifically, what Go- what Google Business will like to do is respond to those reviews. Yes. And this is – again, reality of property management is that most of the interactions people have with property managers are not particularly positive. Um, because if you're living in your house and there's, and the house is operating properly and the rent is being paid on time, there's no reason to have interactions and, and it just, it goes normally. But if something breaks down and you're, you know, your, your heater's not working and it's winter or you are late on rent and you have, you know, these late fees that get come up. I mean, these are always unpleasant experiences. And so there tends to be a case where people just, I mean, the industry really gets a lot of bad reviews, even if they're not necessarily deserved. And. This is an incredibly powerful thing that people can do by setting up their Google business is being able to respond to those reviews. And so um, again, all the things you mentioned as well, yes, all there's a bunch of other features, um, but uh, I know this is the one that that um, we've used a lot in the past is being able to make sure we can respond to those reviews. It can't be overestimated.
1: Yeah, and there, and a couple of things about that. So first of all, you should always be requesting reviews from happy people um, to help with their rankings. <laughs> yes. um, A fun fact is if I were to search best XYZ near me, um, any business that does not have a 4.0 rating or higher will be automatically removed from the search results. So you should always be Mm -hmm. working towards that 4.0 or higher, or you're just sometimes not going to show up, which is sad. Um, But, and then the other thing to think about is with yes, you have to respond to reviews, good, bad, neutral. Um, that is a ranking factor if you're responding to reviews, but also a very large amount of people read reviews, but also the response. The person you're responding to may never look at your response, may not care, but a potential prospect is is gonna look at that review and how you handle that situation. So it's extremely important.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Um- It's the response isn't actually written. I mean, the way you write it is that you're responding to a person, but the audience you're writing it to are future clients and future customers that are reading it, not the actual person. And it's very important not to take things personally and to be professional because of that. And again, I've written plenty of review responses, and there's a lot of times I'll have to go and write the review I want to say, and then get rid of it, and then write the review. I'm going to say, um, and and that that's a bit more professional because yeah, it's it's it can be hard sometimes.
1: We all want to clap back <laughs> at what people are saying and tell them, well, you were a really bad tenant. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, Google reads that too, so it's also a ranking factor. And as much as we'd all love to go viral for the funny response, probably not going to help us from a business standpoint.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And this is all what it's all about. It's all about, you know, growing the business. So, um, OK, great. And then um, so we, then we have search ads. Um, I, I don't know what you want to add about search ads there. Um, is there anything? You, I mean, it, it's one thing that I don't you did mention is that what Google tells you you should be doing isn't necessarily what you should be doing. Um, yeah. So can you briefly comment about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, again, Google wants your money um, as any business does. And they, when you set up a Google ad account, they will walk you through it and you think life is so easy and you will get results. But um, from personal experience, actually working with companies who have done this for multiple multiple industries, they kind of are able to hack it a little bit and make it work better um, than what Google is telling you to do. So that includes, you know, excluding keywords. So maybe you have a certain income that you're looking for and so you don't want to show up for the word low rent um and so there you can tell google i don't want to show up for that um and then there's all these different it, it's so complicated there's all these different matching types that can and this is i am a big believer in finding really good partners who have deep expertise in these types of things because it is so complicated um but even i i'd recently, I moved to a new Google partner about two years ago. Um, And one thing I had no idea that you could do was in Google app, I knew you could do this for Google display ads. So the little um, images, you can retarget someone. So if they've already been to your website, you can show them a different ad later. You can actually do that with search ads as well. So if they've Mm. been to your website, you can actually show them a different piece of content or a different wording I had no idea. Google doesn't advertise that. And so that's a great example of people who can get into that nitty gritty and really help you. And those are typically less expensive because you're only targeting people who have been to your website. And so, again, it all comes back to being efficient with your marketing. And I'm a marketer. I love to spend money. But, again, I'm a big believer in testing and spending money on things that are actually going or likely Going to provide results instead of just spending the money for the heck of it.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that um I used to have or we had in a previous company I worked for um was bullets and cannonballs. The idea would be that you use small little targeted things and seeing all right do we have our aim on? All right, we're it's working. It's effective. Let's now do the cannonballs and and just you know take the target out fully. Uh, I that love that. That's
1: exactly what I do. I've just never called it that. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah so hey if you want to you start using that um, I, I don't have no any rights on it so <laughs> um, okay great so and, and this is something I can also testify to. Um, I, I there's what I found this is actually definitely Facebook is more I would say guilty of this for lack of a better word is they have their boost post option on, on facebook which <laughs> it, it's it's an easy thing to do it's an easy way to spend marketing money it's not necessarily an effective way to spend marketing money and then when you actually go into the back end of google ad or not sorry google ads facebook ads uh the complexity there and the options and how you and all the rules that are involved with it become way more complex and so i think this is something that people should be aware of and why it is worthwhile working with an experienced digital marketer is because the companies will provide easy ways for you to spend your money, but that doesn't mean it's an easy way for you actually to get results. And that's a very important distinction to make. Um, that I think often goes overlooked. Um, Absolutely. So there's, there's um, content and again, I'm host of a podcast. I'm a very big into content. Um, and so, uh, so I, uh, When it comes to content what are some of the best forms of content that get that have roi you mentioned that you really care about the numbers and and return on investment um so what do you see as having the best roi when it comes to content
1: yeah absolutely so i think it comes down to what your goal is so i'm a big fan of looking at your existing data and then deciding what you're going to um focus on and and adjust that from there so if you're looking for Brand awareness. You're like, no one knows about us. We need brand awareness. Video, podcast, social media. Heck yeah. Put it out there. Again, well, social media, not so much. Podcasts and YouTube videos. Those are going to live for a long time. They're going to help you with, um, it could be educational. It could be brand awareness. All of that good stuff. Um, Lead generation. That's going to be a little bit more your um, blogging um driving traffic to your website is going to be your blogging and then that can also lead to lead generation with your downloadable guides long form Um, i also love interactive tools for lead generation people love to just click around and enjoy what um you're offering so this could be quizzes or calculators or anything like that Um, i like to have different forms of content in general because people consume content differently. So mm-hmm. for for my personal content, I'll do a video about a topic and then also write a blog about that topic. And I'll put the video on top of the blog, um, but maybe you don't want to watch a video today and you can read about it. And so trying to meet people where they are um, and then lead nurturing, you have a bunch of leads in your database, but they're just not talking to you. That's where email is going to come in um, and text marketing. So there's a lot and they all work together. Um, mm-hmm. so no, I'm not giving you a, I love content too, think <laughs> you can do a lot. Um, if you're just getting started, I would definitely kind of pick one based on a goal and, and invest in it. Um, but I am in, in my experience, lead generation is typically lead generation and nurturing are typically big goals. So I would focus mm-hmm. on blogging, long form content, and then some great lead nurturing emails.
0: Okay, perfect. And, and one thing, and one thing, um, also when you mentioned about the content and, and you're talking about doing a podcast and the videos, um, are, do you know, have you, are you familiar with Douglas Kruger? He's, um, a, he's more prominent out of South Africa, actually. Okay. Um, uh, but, uh, he, he's a, I forget the name of his book. He's written, written several books. And his whole idea is that, um, you want to position yourself as an expert in your field and, um, he has a lot of good examples and you can Google him on uh, or look him up on YouTube. He has um, a bunch of speeches that he's given. Um, really great speaker. Um, I like his speeches better than his books, admittedly, um, but uh, that's just me. you know. Uh, great, great concepts. But the idea is that if you're going on to podcasts or creating your own podcast, and let's say you are in Chicago and you're a property manager in Chicago and you have a, a podcast about investing in Chicago real estate as a property manager and showing your experience, your challenges, people will now view you as the expert in that field. And so if you're an investor, do you want to work with the expert in the field of investing in Chicago? Or do you want to work with another person who is not the expert? Now, the other person may actually technically be better at their job, um, but it's the person who is viewed as the expert is the person who's out there talking out there, creating the content. And that is the the real value that I see with having content.
1: Absolutely. And that's, that's part of inbound marketing too. You know, you're the one who's helping, helping them with whatever issue they're facing. You're the one who's providing that information. Mm -hmm. And so when it's time to start working with someone, I'm going to go to the person who's been giving me all this content that's helped me so far.
0: Now, See, one of the things you mentioned before, and actually just now about providing the information, is the idea of, I think you said it was inbound marketing, that you're providing the information to the, the prospective person you want to work with. Now, a lot of people, they get very antsy about this. I know I, I brought this up at, with um, another property management company, um, telling them that they should, again, do a podcast, have something that, that's giving people actual advice. Um, Real-world things, not just talking these vague terms, but giving real examples about what they can do and how they can solve their problems. And response, oftentimes, is that, "Well, I don't want to give away my secrets. I don't want to like if they, if I do that, then why would they come to me and and work with me?" So, I, I now for me, I I don't see that as a concern, but I'm curious what what are your thoughts? Why why is that not a concern?
1: I get the same question or response all the time. Or in in my opinion, which I joke, overwhelm them with information. Then they're going to be begging you to help them. Um, But if if you can lay it out for them, listen, everyone who finds that content is not going to become a customer. That's just the way it is. But you're going to be an expert. You're going to be helping them. So maybe down the line, they're going to come back to you. But then also, you're going to get people like me. I am not a do-it-yourselfer kind of person i know what i'm really good at i know what my strengths are and i want to find experts partners who are really good at what they do and so by explaining it to me and showing your expertise i'm going to trust you and Mm -hmm. i might be overwhelmed by all the steps it takes and i'll be like you know what i obviously need to work with you because you know what what you're talking about so i'm all for it i believe more information is better. Um, you know, sometimes withholding information can feel a little sketchy um to a consumer. And so, again, understand who your buyers are and what information they're looking for and then go from there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think there there there's, you know, some things that are worthwhile, you know, not not disclosing. And a and a good example of this is um If you're in a market, again, let's say Chicago, and you've been in the market for as a property manager for 10 years, and you've built up a list of top quality vendors that provide great service, timely, are um, trustworthy, Like, if you start giving that information out, now those people aren't going to be as available to work with you, and it it can create problems where it actually starts affecting you negatively. So there could be some situations like that. Um, But- Overall, I mean, again, I a good example. Let's go use a, uh, someone's, a HVAC specialist comes to me and says, hey, your furnace is broken. Now, I can go and fix it for you or I will write up the exact instructions on how you can go and fix it yourself. Now, if someone's actually willing to go and fix it themselves, I don't want them as my client because they're, they're, they're going to always be trying to like micromanage this process. They're gonna be looking for other, you know, ways that they might be able to take things on. Or if they don't understand things, they're gonna want more detailed explanations and I'm gonna spend more time trying to manage the client and explain the process and explain all these things. And so if if someone wants to do it themselves, by all means, let them do it themselves and take those clients who understand, hey, I'm not the expert. I wanna defer to the expert and let them take care of it.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Um so let's go um you're you're talking about the, the the three stages here um before and the, so the first stage is uh so someone realizes they have a problem and I'm going to try and create a scenario here cuz again one of the the big ways that people will um do marketing in this space is with direct mail. So they'll find and, and there's a couple ways to do it but but basically they'll they'll send out the mailers. And so you have a property owner that Receives this mailer saying, "Hey, we can manage your property. You know, give you good returns. You know, give whatever that the, the actual messaging is. So, where does it go from there? What What are the the next steps after the person acknowledges that? Yes, I have a problem that I need solved.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, depending on what that problem is, so I I'm I'm decided I'm going to I need I need something. I don't want to deal with my property right now. I you know mm-hmm. that's that." so the first thing that i go try to understand so i have a house right now um and let's say we buy another house and okay i want to rent this out i have no idea how to start that so my problem is where the heck do i start if i want to rent my house and mm-hmm. so that's that's my problem and awareness is going to be me googling what like how do people do this and so that's the content that you're gonna you're gonna get And then from there, I might narrow it down, I can do it myself, I could hire a property management company, or I could just sell my house because I really don't want to deal with it. So those that's Mm -hmm. what those are the options I'm considering to solve my problem. I'll again, go find content, comparing those options, maybe I'll do a quiz. And I finally decide, okay, I want to hire a property management company because I don't want to deal with it myself. From there, that's when I'm going to start looking at those specific property management company options and comparing them. That's where you're like direct mail is hard. Cause you, you have, it's hard to match intent with direct mail. So mm-hmm. a mailer wouldn't know that I'm at that stage, of, at that stage of my journey, but that's where the information of higher returns and, you know, low maintenance costs, that's where that's important because I'm looking at you know X Y Z across the street, and that's where I'm comparing those two. So that the decision stage is kind of where that salesperson per- gets involved and starts helping me understand why they're better than the competition.
0: Okay, um, so I, I, I want to make sure I'm understanding this. So the first part is understanding that there there is a problem. The second problem is, is making the decision. Is that the the second step then?
1: So the first the first step is you have a problem. Put a name that okay. problem. Then you're gonna look at. Then it's comparing all of the options to solve your problem. Then once you've decided how you want to solve the problem, who are you gonna solve it with? So it's what, which, who? What problem? Which solution do I want to go with? Who is gonna help me solve that problem?
0: Now, when it comes to to deciding, you know, which solution that you want to go with, um, in in your experience. How rational are people when they make those decisions?
1: Typically, so the thing about the buyer's journey is someone could start at any stage of it, they might already Mm. know they might already they might start in the decision stage, they might um, start in the consideration stage and you're going to get all sorts of different people, Um, typically, though, in my experience, the people who are finding that content that you've created are genuinely wanting more information to make that decision so if you can lay it out for them and help them understand why your solution or your type of solution is the best one people do go down that path it's okay. not a wasted effort
0: <laughs> so so it, it's a matter of um Again, this this is where you're saying that it's it's not a matter of it being a there's one answer. It's a matter about this whole holistic solution that if you you need to have the content already in place so that way when someone is there and it can reach that kind of person. So in that case, it's probably also a matter. I think you also mentioned this before when talking about content about not just having different kind of contents in a sense of, um, you know, blog posts and, and uh, Instagram posts and, um, you know, uh, videos, but also making sure that when you make the content, you are thinking about what your clients would want to know, um, what answer your clients have, and then trying to preemptively answer those questions as, as, as within the, the, the content. Um, so that way, when it gets to the, the the point of comparing those options. Um, the idea being, and hopefully I have this right, that they're looking at your content, they're getting the answers from your content, and your competitor isn't giving them the same answers, doesn't have the same amount of information. And so, therefore, the, the decision becomes more clear about how they should move forward.
1: Absolutely. And if you approach all of this from the standpoint of trying to help someone, I mean, we're all trying to make money at the end of the day. But if you really create this content of I just want to help you understand what your options are or why this is the best option, it's going to be more genuine. Um, And again, it's going to be what someone's looking for and they will go down that journey. And if you're in this con content in this way is something that so many industries are not doing. And so this is something that can easily make you stand out from the competition because I promise you people are looking for this type of information and they're probably finding it on an lead aggregator website or you know wikipedia and why those are potential leads why let them just go somewhere else and again once they get to the point where they're deciding they're going to remember that you helped them solve that problem
0: yeah absolutely um so you also i mentioned before that you work with a lot of um companies that have different locations and also i understand that you've written a book um about the topic um it's, so
1: it's it's up there you can't really see it <laughs> it's it's thin so you can't see it but it is up there
0: <laughs> yeah um and so i i, I don't have the name it is is on the map um how to how to do digital it's marketing. A long
1: subtitle. It's, yeah, I, yeah, it you, you are completely excused because I can never even remember it. But it's on okay. the ground. It's about helping um multi-location businesses um get results from digital marketing. It's a great getting started book for all of what we've talked about.
0: So i um, so I don't know if if this will apply here either, but um a lot so a lot of times you'll have a property management company that's gonna have multiple apartment complexes. Now and, and they need to, and this is going again more toward the tenant marketing side. Yeah. Um, but again, we don't—we're we're coming to the near the end of the show, so we don't have a lot to get into this. Um, so we'll get maybe more of have, have a teaser than anything else. But what are some good ways, or what are some differences that sh- people should be aware of when trying to do the marketing for these different apartment complexes, uh, so that way they're not competing with themselves?
1: That's a great question, um, and it's difficult, right? That's where. Mm-hmm really good ad partners are going to come into play because they are going to be able to draw those lines, you know, focus on different keywords. Um, And, and it might, it it might be under again, I keep saying it, but coming back to your buyer, maybe the different complexes have different target audiences. So that's a great way to make sure they're not competing. Um, And it and yeah, and you know, focusing on those differentiators, we I have a client that has literally two properties a block away from each other and it has always been a challenge because you can imagine that's really hard to to draw lines around but Mm. they have two very distinctly different target audiences they're different budget levels and so that is how we've been able to you know make sure that they're both getting the leads that they need
0: awesome well, I might have to have you, uh, you know, back at some time to talk more about that. But I also understand that you are, uh, you, you have a consulting agency. Make sure I get this correct. Um, yes. That is specifically focused on trying to help property managers with their digital marketing. Can you tell me more about, you know, the what you're offering there, um, and and how that all works? And again, if people want to reach out to you and maybe have questions or, or get your consulting services, how that all, how they should do that.
1: Yes. So I'm very busy. I have three businesses. Um, We have a HubSpot HubSpot partner agency. So we're certified HubSpot partners. Again, I talked about it. HubSpot is a fantastic software that helps with everything we've talked about. Um, This agency is called the Hurley James Consulting, and we offer HubSpot implementation, consulting services, and then all of the content that we've been talking about. um, We do all of that soup to nuts. Um, Again, we're big content people. Ours is a little bit more of the written word, but we consult on all the content. Um, I also consult just as myself um, for a little bit more custom things. And then I do have a third business called Reputation Avenue, which is all about Google reviews and Google listings. Um, And so I'm available, Mary-Kate with a C. Um on any social media platform, um and then Harley James is definitely focused on property management um and can help with whatever needs on all that we've talked about.
0: All right, perfect. and and how can, and for Harley James, what's the best way to find um, harley no, james
1: uh, harley, harley James? dot com.
0: HarleyJamesConsulting.com, and if you are watching this on any uh, in the video format, I'll be making sure that I put all that in the on-screen, so you can copy that as well in the descriptions as well, so you can link to that. So um, I really want to thank you, Mary Kate, for coming in and sharing your insight and your experience with digital marketing. Um, I'm sure it's going to be extremely valuable to our listeners here, um, and it was great having you.
1: Yes. Thank you so much. I had a blast. All right.
0: Well, I might have to have you again, again, talk more about some of these other topics. And um, so, yeah, thanks again. And thank you guys for listening to the PMP podcast. Um, RJ, your host. Have a great day.